No more excuses. We, we all have them. I mean, I'm telling you, if we don't want to do something, we can come up with some of the strangest reasons why we won't, why we can't. And the whole bottom line is we just don't want to. How many of you ever been in a situation where you think, you know, I probably shouldn't uh, call in sick or stay in the bed or stay home from church? Well, saying and you're not going to make any more excuses, that sounds good. But the excuses we make up in our mind are really lies just to appease ourselves when we don't want to do something that's important. Let's ask God to bless us tonight. Father, we thank you for your presence. We ask you, God, that we would be able to grasp your word and apply it to our lives, that we would no longer have excuses for not learning your word, but we would have declarations of what you've been able to do through us. I pray that your presence would be here tonight. I pray that the Holy Spirit would be welcome and that teachable spirits would be here in Jesus' name. And the church said? Amen. Amen. The most popular excuses that people use for not reading the word and growing in Christ is this. I can't understand it. There's too many thou's and too many these and too many thou shalt and thou shalt not. There's too many of those. I can't read the Bible. It doesn't make sense. Well, it's really not that hard, and that's what we're going to talk about tonight. There are just two requirements to have a right relationship with God, just two. And you can't mess up, and you can't read the directions wrong. See, that's part of our problem. We think we know so much, we often read directions wrong, and then we don't come out with the results that we want. I know people that can work on cars fairly well. But when they're done, they have a Ziploc bag of extra parts. Cars don't come with extra parts. Every part has a reason. I remember growing up, I learned to put something together, and there are these little black round things, and they looked really insignificant to me, so psh, didn't need them. Somebody said that's called a washer. What? That's not a washer. This thing's this tiny. It's only this big and this tiny. Who needs that? Guess what I found out? They're significant. They have a reason. They have a point. They make a difference. The Word of God has a reason. It has a point. It can make a difference in your life. Amen? It can make a difference in your life. We can't misread the directions because the directions are very simple. We can't make the mistake that we're so afraid of making. I did that quite a few years ago. I decided that I was going to bake I think I was making uh, some hot cross buns for Easter. And I didn't really know how to do it from scratch, so I bought a box. Bought the box, opened it, put that in, knew there needed eggs, needed this other stuff, packet of something, threw that out. Went on about my business, went to see if it would rise. Didn't rise, or did it? Couldn't tell. Came back later, didn't rise, or did it? Couldn't tell, doesn't matter. Made them, baked them, put it in the oven, came up with these flat, hard, harder than a rock stones. And I couldn't figure out what I did wrong. Then I read the directions. You ever done that as a Christian? You can't figure out what you're doing wrong. Then you read the directions. The directions, the Bible, the basic instructions before leaving earth. I left out the yeast. So some of you I know, cooking like that is really old school. Now we just go to the bakery and buy something and we're good. 
But I left out the yeast. Little small packet of stuff I thought had spoiled, so I tossed it out because it stank. There are parts of our life that we just want to toss out because it stinks. But those are the elements of our life that cause us to rise up and take a hold of our relationship with Christ. We need to have that opportunity to rise up and take a hold. There are just two things, again, that we need to do. I'm calling this message tonight the deeds of duty. And that's what we're called to do. And it's in God's word in Ecclesiastes chapter 12. Two things. Fear God. Say that with me. Fear God and keep his commandments. That's it. Fear God and keep his commandments. For this is the duty of all mankind. Those are the only two things we have to do. But then if you want to know why and what the result of those will be, let's keep reading. For God will bring every deed into judgment. Can we read that together? God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing, whether it's good or evil. So tonight, whether, whether you are good, bad, or ugly, God's got a word for you, for you to be able to rise up and take a hold of who he is and have a right relationship with him. Fear God. How we live our lives is reflective of experiences and relationship that we have with Christ. It could be said that there's too much focus on what we think God's role is. All the while, in contrast, it's up to us to know what our role is. We always want to talk about what God didn't do. And it's really all about what we're supposed to do. Our duty is to do good deeds. It is our duty to do good deeds. Will you say that with me? It's my duty, it's my duty. to do good deeds. I want to do good, I will do good, I try to do good, but it is our duty to do good deeds. Turn to somebody and tell them, that's your duty. And turn back and say, it's my duty. It is our duty as Christians to do good deeds. When you became a Christian, you wanted your world, your circumstances, and your life to change only for the good. But Scripture's challenge relieves biblical characteristics that illustrate whether or not Christ is present in your life. It's called, I call it this, I call it living your A game. Your A game, what is that? It's all your actions that you live to see if you are right in the eyes of God. That's your A game. And I came up with quite a few attributes that begin with A. Because at the end of the day, in our judgment time, we want to hear well done. But we need to have the right attitude toward God. Everybody would say, yeah, that's right. But you got to really think about that. You need to have an attitude. Turn to somebody and say, you need an attitude. Don't say it like you have an attitude. <laughs> you need an attitude. We need to have a right attitude with God. And that comes from this. For the word of God is alive and, uh, and active. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing the soul and the spirit, the joints and the marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitude of your heart. You have to have an attitude. Fear of God is an attitude. 
Fear of God is an attitude of his holiness. Fear of God is an attitude that recognizes his presence. Fear of God recognizes and respects his power and appreciates his peace. The commandments, they teach us how to interact Christ-like with one another according to God's word. We need the word of God to be righteous and to teach us. And that's what an attitude is. That's what the fear of God is. A lot of times people think the fear of God is cowering. Oh, God, please. But no, it's like, oh, God, thank you. It touches your attitude. When you've got the right attitude for God, it changes how you act. It changes what you do. It changes what you say. The attitude of God, the fear of the Lord, it's like, I'm not going to do that because I fear God. Not with a fear of cowering, but a fear of his holy reverence, a fear respecting him, a, a fear responding to what he's done for me, a fear for what he, how he's healed, a fear for his peace, a fear for his presence, a fear for his love. I fear God. I totally fear God in my life because I want these things in my life, and I'm learning that my duty as a Christian is to do good deeds. See, we connect to God by practicing his principles. Can you say that with me? Practice his principles. If you want to know how to have a good fear of God, if you want to know what you're supposed to do to keep his commandments, practice his principles. Say that with me again. That's the way we do it because we connect to God with his principles. See, practicing God's principles and keeping the commands of God is not just trying to remember the top ten. A lot of people think, well, the commands of God, keep his commands. Thou shall not have any God before me. Thou shall not. And we get stuck. That's not keeping the commandments of God. That's just memorizing the top ten. And albeit they are extremely important. But you're not going to be able to keep God's commands if you don't learn how to practice his principles. And you start by practicing his principles through the word. James 1.22 says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourself. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face intently in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in all they do. Thank God. It is our duty to do good deeds. And we do these good deeds by way of accountability. Say this with me. Accountability. Accountability. Well, what is that? We are accountable for what we know. Because the thing is, God... He knows what we know. We can't play a game on God. He knows what you've read. He knows when you've read it. And he knows how his word can, will, and does affect your life. Because you can read some scripture someday and read it. Oh, that's good. Come back to it the next day. Oh, that's, that's good. Go through a situation in your life, read that same scripture, and go, Ooh, Jesus, Lord God, thank you for your mercy, your grace, and your peace. Or you can go through a situation and go, Jesus, Lord God, I got to go forgive somebody. His word is how we are accountable. 
God knows what we know, and we have responsibilities to keep his commands because we're trusted with them. See, God trusted Moses, and he trusts you to do your duty to count on him. God told Moses to go down there with the Ten Commandments. Well, those of you that know the word, we got version two. Because Moses went up the mountain, he got the Ten Commandments, and on the way down, he's like, ah, they're not going to do that, and he broke them. And then he went back up the mountain, and God's like, what happened? Uh, he made an excuse. Uh, they broke God? We can't run a game and an excuse on the Lord. He knows what we know, and we're accountable for what we know. We have a responsibility. We're supposed to take charge of doing good deeds because he's in control. He is in control. We are in charge. He is in control. What does that mean? It means that we've been charged by certain things with his word. We are charged in his word. His word says, call on me. His control is, I will answer you. We are charged in his word to say, ask, and his response is, and it will be given to you. We are charged to seek, and he is control that he we will find. We are charged that we are to knock, and he is in control that he will answer. We are charged, he's in control. We've got to learn our place, our place. We don't need to be concerned about his place as we so much are concerned about what God is doing and when he did it and how come he didn't and he won't. We have a place in the kingdom of God and our place is to take charge of his word and apply his word and apply his principles so that he can control and direct our lives so that we can have that perfect peace that we so much desire. Amen. Because I'm telling you, God is not going to fail you. You might be down in the valley, but I encourage you, like Moses, you need to look up, you need to get up, and go back up that mountain, forgive yourself, and have mercy on others, and start really, truly believing in God. That's how we do good deeds. Look up, get up, go back on that mountain. When we get down in the valley, we just stay down in the valley, and then we come up with all these excuses, and God is just like, I'm still up here. When Moses blew it, he went back up on the mountain. And God didn't say, I gave them to you. He said, here, God is never going to fail you. He's not going to fail you. He can't fail you. He can't. It's not his nature. It's certainly not his nature. When we are learning how to be accountable, we have to be able to open ourselves up to other people. Many of you are here and you've been with the ministry a few years. How many of you remember the smart groups? There should be a few that, yep, the smart groups, praise God. Quite a few years ago, when we were in the chapel with Pastor Mike, we had smart groups. They were accountability groups. The smart group was the Singles Ministry Accountability Righteousness and Training. And that's what we did. We gathered together in small groups, in small segments, and we opened ourselves up to other people. We asked them on a weekly basis. My smart group is still here. My smart group is still here. I see you. God bless you. I'm so glad that you're still a part of my life. We got together in small groups, and we opened ourselves up. But we opened ourselves up by looking at the word. 
You see, God's word says, if you compare yourselves amongst yourself, that's not wise. Because I could look at you and think, eh, I need to grow. Or you could look at me and go, eh, I need to grow. But when we look at the word of God, it's like we need to grow together. And that's what we did in our accountability groups. We opened up the word, and every week we came together, and we asked each other, did you read this week? Did you pray this week? What are your needs? What are you praying for? Let's pray together. Now, in the beginning, everybody read. Everybody prayed. Nobody was going through anything. There weren't any prayer requests. Everybody was good. But as you start learning to connect with one another, you start opening yourself up. And you start realizing, you know what? I do have a prayer need. I got a hold of the questions. There was a list of questions that we went through every week as a group. There were some for women, because the women were in, were in groups, and the men were in groups. I got a hold of the men's questions the other day. I didn't know they were different from the women's. But they were very poignant questions for men to have to answer. And at the very end of the men's questions, it started out, did you read, did you pray? And then it started talking about the challenges that men could have, and they had to confess whether or not they had those. Because the Word of God says, confess your sins to one another. That's how you grow. We live our lives like this. I don't want you to know what I'm doing. You're not going to grow that way. Because God knows what you're doing, and he's going to put people in your life path to help you get up and grow up and come back to the mountain and praise him, and you come together as a congregation and you worship him. Well, again, I got a hold of the men's list, and I saw all these questions, and at the very end of the list, the very last question, after you sit together, the men with men and the women were in different area, <clears throat> going through your questions, yes, I read, yes, I prayed, and then eventually, no, I really didn't read. Can you call me, you know, can you call me and, and just be on the phone while I read to you for two minutes? That's how you grow. You know, be on the phone while I, while I pray or whatever the case may be. The very last question, after you go through this series of questions, there was about ten of them, and then we had a book that we were reading to go through, and we answered the questions. It was kind of like a catechism-type book. Very last question that you had to answer Bear it all in front of your group. Did you just lie to me? That's how you become accountable. Because, yeah, you can sit there and go, yeah, I read this week on the way in the car. Let's see. Da, 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 da. Okay, yeah, I read. Okay, now I can answer the question. I read. Lord, bless me today. Yeah, I prayed this week. But then when you start getting into some of these things that no longer are spiritual, but they become personal because your personal life and your spiritual life, sometimes at some point in your life when you're a Christian, it's got to have some synergy. Did you just lie to me? That's how you become accountable. That's how you become accountable. You get with people that are Christians that will help you that will raise you up, that will build you up, that are not going to look down on you and you're not going to look down on them, but you're only going to look at the word of God and you're going to say, we've got to do good deeds. It's our duty to fear God and to keep his commands and we're going to keep doing it by practicing his principles. Because in all that, we have to be vulnerable because vulnerability will lead to the victory that you, that you are looking for. Can you say this with me? Vulnerability leads to victory. You've got to be vulnerable. 
If you're not vulnerable to each other, you will be vulnerable to the word of God and God will put people in your life path that will help you get up and grow up and be vulnerable. And in all that, you will start to do good deeds because it is your duty. Did I say it was your duty? It is your duty. It is your duty to do good deeds. Amen? Amen. Praise God. When you're vulnerable, we expect to have a good life because we're always looking for a victory. We only want to live on the mountaintop. We're not really all that interested in the valley. We only want to live on the mountaintop. But you can live victorious in your life when you read and you accept the terms of what you're reading and you accept the terms of the life that you've chosen as a Christian. You see, how many of you know we'll open an app We'll do something online, Ugh, get so far, and okay, scroll down and accept the terms. Click, accept, move on. But you never read what those terms are. You don't know what you're signing up for. You just click it so you can move on. Well, that's not how the Bible works. That's not how the Bible works. We have to be able to accept the full terms of God. It's called acceptance. Can you say that with me? Acceptance. Acceptance is this. Read this with me, please. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. After you know that, it's like, I can't just read what I want to read out of the Bible. You can't take the Bible apart. You've got to accept all the terms because it says all scripture, all scripture. What does that mean, some of the scriptures? Does that mean the good scriptures? Does that mean the New Testament? Does that just mean Psalms? Does that just mean Proverbs? Does that just mean the healing? Does that, does that just mean the... The reconciliation, no, it means all scripture. So you know what that means? It also means the scripture that says, count it all joy when you're going through a trial. What? I didn't accept those terms. When you came to the altar, you accepted those terms. And when you accept those terms, like I said, God knows what you know. And you're going to be held accountable for it. And when you get into those circumstances that are uncomfortable, when the deeds that you do are not good, and you are on your judgment day, because he said everything hidden and everything good, and everything that's not so good, the good, the bad, and the ugly, the terms of what you signed up for are going to be read before you. Because sometimes we do things, and we sign up for things, and we click on, yep, we accept the terms because we got to move on. And then somewhere in the situation, it's like, Wait, why is this like this? I didn't sign up for this. Oh, uh, yeah, you did. It was in the fine print. It was on the back page. It was in the footnote. I can guarantee you that whatever happens to you in your life that you think you didn't sign up for, and you find out it was on the back page and it was on the footnote, you can got to know 
that all scripture is God-breathed. And so if you realize that, you have to understand it's scripture. It's the word of God. And God never does anything to you, but he will do everything he can through you to bring you up, to bring you to a place. He is the God of all comfort, and he will bring you comfort in your circumstance and situation. You may not have signed up for that situation from your, per from your perspective, but if there's something going on in your life that doesn't feel so good, you got to know because you did accept the terms, you're covered. He will take care of you, and he will take care of that circumstance. He will take care of that situation. And out of all of it, your good deeds will shine because he will get glory in heaven for all the things that we do. And so, once we understand that and we understand the acceptance and we know what we've signed up for, we need God's approval when you start reading his word, you get his approval. And his approval is in this. These are the good deeds of your approval. He said to do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, who correctly handles the word of truth. That's the approval. When we approve of his word and we apply it to our lives by reading it, by studying it, by wanting to present ourselves to God, by knowing how to rightly divide the word, not only are we approving the word in our lives, but he is approving of us. And he will bring the circumstance and situation that you're struggling with by way of measuring your good deeds and being able to give unto you the righteousness of what you're looking for. Because the word of God says this, if anyone builds his foundation on the word of God, on Jesus Christ, by using gold, by using silver, by using costly stones, by wood, hay, or stubble, your work will be shown for what it is because on judgment day, it will be brought into the light. All the things that you have done, they will be revealed and they will be burnt with fire. And the fire will put it to test and the quality of each person's work. If it's been built and it survives, then you will receive a reward. But if it's burned up and you suffer, you suffer loss, when all you have to bring to God after all the things, it's like it all got burned in the fire and all you can hear, hear is, Lord God, I'm, this is all I have. When your deeds have not been good and your life has not been built on the righteousness of God, it's been built on the things of the world, and you bring all this together and it gets burnt in the fire and all you have is a few ashes to give unto the Lord. The Bible says, what will happen to that person? You'll suffer loss, yes, but yet you still will be saved. Amen. Just barely escape in the fire. God will still allow you into heaven because he is a faithful God and he is a good God and he is not a God that condemns. You see, in the end, it's not the years in your life that count. We have, a, we have a slide on that. In the end, 
It's not the years in your life that count. It's the life in your years. So what does that mean? It means if you're sitting here, pinch yourself. It's not too late. It's not too late. It's pinch the person next to you and tell them. Once they say, ouch, <laughs> it's not too late. See, Scripture says, be sure your sins will find you out. So what concern should there be about past deeds, whether they're good or not? But it's never too late to do good deeds. Tell somebody that. It's never too late to do good deeds. It's never too late. Jesus, with Jesus with you, you'll always have an alibi, and you'll always have an ally. And how do we know this? Amen. Hang on. We're at our crescendo here. How do you know this? Because when Jesus died on the cross, there were two other criminals on the cross. One criminal rebuked him. And the other criminal rebuked that criminal. And he said this. Don't you fear God? This is a criminal on the cross. Don't you fear God? He told the other criminal, we are being punished, and our punishment is justified. We're getting what our deeds deserve. Ooh, ouch. But this man, speaking of Jesus, this man, He's done nothing wrong. And he turned to Jesus. His deeds were done. He was on the cross. He didn't have time to be accountable. He didn't have time to have an attitude of fear of God. He didn't have time for approval. He didn't have time to accept the word. All he had time to do as he hung on the cross was to turn to Jesus. Sometimes if you're at the end, you only have time to turn to Jesus. Turn to Jesus. He turned to Jesus and he said to Jesus, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus answered him. And Jesus said to him, Truly, truly, I tell you, today, you will be with me in paradise. When the enemy comes to accuse you, and he will, you will have enough understanding of God's word to put him in his place. You will have enough understanding to say, get thee behind me, Satan, and depart from me. I am the head, I am not the tail, and greater is he that's in me than he that is in the world. Do you have an alibi? Do you want an alibi? Do you need an alibi? Jesus is your alibi. That really is your A game. That really is your A game. When you're playing your A game, you're saying I got an alibi. When you say that I fear God, 
and I've done all that I can to keep his commandments and judgment day comes and things that are good, bad, and hidden. Jesus is going to look at those things and he's going to look up and Satan's going to tap you in the shoulder and go, ha, ha. And you're going to say, I have an alibi because the thief on the cross had an alibi. When he got to the gates of heaven, they were like, what's he doing here? This guy didn't make it to the altar. This guy didn't read any scriptures. This guy didn't do anything. He said, how did you get in here? When you go to court, and they ask you, well, what were you doing when the crime was being committed? Do you have an alibi? You have an alibi. You have an alibi. Today, you will be with me in paradise. He had an alibi because he said, I may have done all those things. I have already confessed that my deeds were not good. But I know now that it is my duty to do good deeds. And the good deed that I did while I was on the cross, I turned to Jesus. And now I have an alibi. And so no, doesn't matter what I did in the past. Jesus said, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Your past is gone when you get an alibi of Jesus Christ being a part of your life. Jesus Christ being the head of your life. Jesus Christ being the savior of your life. Jesus Christ being your redeemer. Jesus Christ is your alibi. Amen? Can you imagine if the deeds of your life were rolling like movie credits? The liar, played by you. The cheat, played by you. The merciless one, played by you. Oh my goodness, the angry one, played by you. If you were to see the credits of your life, the attributes of your life going up on the screen, lately it's, it's the last decade or so, it's popular to stay in the movie when the movie's over and watch the credits because something good might be hiding in the middle of it. You know, you watch the credits, played by, played by, played by, played by, played by. Oh, there's a scene that we didn't see out of the movie. So there you are, you're sitting there. The credits, the liar, the cheat, the merciless, played by you, played by you. You're like, man, look at my life. Then there's this scene that wasn't in the movie. And it just flickers on the screen real quick. And it's Jesus. And then the credits change. The forgiver, played by you. Amen. The patient one, played by you. The kind one, played by you. The credits of your life, the attributes of your life will change when you grab hold of your alibi. For us, the altar is our alibi. You see, Jesus said that he was going to separate the sheep from the goats. Would there be regret or would there be reward in your life? At the end of the day, when it's all over, when there's nothing else, where will you stand? 
You don't have to be judged guilty. You can stand saved by grace because God is a good God. And I want to tell you, I want to ask all of you to stand right now because we need to stand. We need to stand in our posture. We need to take a stand for what we believe in. We need to take a stand for how we want to live. We need to stand. And while they play this song, I want to ask you, if you want to come to the altar, you can. Otherwise, I want you to stand and hear this song and understand. Remember, there were two things, to fear God and to keep his commands. God does only one thing. He loves us. He loves us. Please stand if you're here at the altar. Please stand. Please stand. Praise God. Hallelujah, God is good. Bless the name of the Lord. Praise God. Where you're standing now, when the enemy comes to tap you on the shoulder, you mark this day down. October 18th, 2023, 8.30 at night. When the enemy comes at you, you tell him, I have an alibi. Check the date. Check the calendar. Look it up. Glory be to God. And when you enter into the kingdom of God, you thank God for the alibi that he's given you. And you go from this day forward, understanding and knowing that you're covered by the blood and the grace of God. And God's grace will carry you through to places that you don't even think you belong. But when you are a child of God, you belong, you, absolutely, you know it. When you're a child of God, you belong wherever God leads you, wherever God takes you, and God will be there with you. Father, I pray a prayer covering and a hedge of protection over your people. I pray that the glory of God would shine through every single life that's here tonight. And I thank you, God, as you've taught us that we are supposed to do good deeds. Good deeds are supposed to come out of us. It is our duty to do good deeds. And so, Lord God, I pray tonight that you would see the deeds of the people that have stood for you, that have come to the altar for you, that in their heart have given you the opportunity to give you new life and new grace and new peace. Father, bless them and keep them according to your will and your word. In Jesus' name, God bless you and good night.